Well, here we are again, back at the Conflab with Nate Cartledge, which is me. Hey, I'm so humbled and stoked to have you in this space with me today. Let's tap on in. All right, before we get started, we just want to thank our great friends at Studio 6 Burley on the Gold Coast. They are such a great support to me and the Conflab helping us get this out to you all the time. So if you're a content creator, if you have a a long-term podcast or you're looking to start a podcast or you need a studio for anything, reach out to them at Studio 6 at Burley on the Gold Coast. They are amazing. Thanks again, guys. It it definitely does make me feel a little bit nervous, actually. It was probably something like, again, especially when you asked me that originally question, it's something that I've never really thought about. You know, obviously, when you think about yourself, you think about all maybe your achievements, your accomplishments, what you have, as opposed to who you are. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was really good. And again, uh, I was very thankful that you kind of gave me that little tip that you're going to ask me that because it got me to have a, you know, have a think about it. Got me to really think about some of the, the deeper things, uh, who I am, without or kind of stripping away all these other things, these external things uh, about my life. Yeah. You know, so it was good. So we, we got started before we got started and our producer stopped us, which was really cool. <laughs> we had to get the adjustments happening. But I just want to welcome Luke Baker here to the Conflab today. Luke is the owner and founder of Evolve Health Studios at Burley. He's a dad to a beautiful little one-year-old, almost, almost one. Almost one in one, April. In April. April what? April 22nd. Beautiful. And the wife to the love, major love of his life. He got the minor love and the major love. And um, so, welcome, mate. Thank you for having me. It's, right. a, it's a pleasure to be here. It really is. It's awesome. We were just chatting off air, and I'm sure it'll make its way onto air, um, about a question that I, when we when we first sat down, or the second time we sat down and chatted, and you asked me, what are you going to ask me, sort of thing, in the podcast. And by the way, it's a real privilege to have you. Um, Luke is local in our building, where our studio is. He's got a health studio just downstairs, and they get a lot of great people come in, and one of his achievements is helped a lady lose 50 kilos and then ran with her in the half marathon. That's cool. That's a cool achievement to have because you're seeing someone's personal growth, not just weight loss, their personal growth. Because, yeah, you can go and lose weight, but go run half a marathon as another beast altogether. Um, but we were just chatting off air because we were talking about the real who is Luke. And one of my motives here today is to expose – the under the covers of Luke. So whoever's listening to this can actually connect deeper. And that's how one of the things that we want to do with the podcast moving forward. And we thought a lot about getting bigger guests and all this sort of stuff, but we're coming back to just local heroes and people that our locals, our, our people that connect with us can connect with and people that connect with you and your studio, your staff, your family, that they can see parts of you that they may, may have never been. So I asked him this question, who is Luke? And he's about to give me an answer. So who is Luke? Well, to give everyone a bit of a context back home, um, like listen to this. Yeah, three weeks ago I sat down with Nathan and uh, we were talking about potentially doing a podcast and this was one of the questions that he asked. And he asked me not to kind of prepare me for it, but he kind of asked me just there and then, who is Luke? And my knee-jerk first reaction was to kind of talk about my accomplishments, my achievements, maybe what I have, what I've done in my life. And he's like, no, 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 that's not what we're talking about here. It's not... Luke the father, it's not Luke the gym owner, the business owner, who is Luke? And it was a, probably a question that I've never really thought about and it stumped me. Um, and you know, Nathan said that this is going to be something that we're going to be talking about on the podcast and straight away it probably made me feel a little bit uncomfortable because it's 
something that I've never really thought about. Um, so again, I appreciate you asking me that question, getting me out of my comfort zone and kind of getting me to kind of look within and kind of stripping back the layers of myself. So who is Luke? Nice and simple. <laughs> never simple. No, never simple. But actually, when I actually had to think about it, it's like, you know, I, I am a very simple man. Um, you know, if I put down to who I am, uh, I'm loving, I'm caring, I'm adventurous, I'm enthusiastic, I wear my heart on my sleeve, and I'm very much success and family orientated. I'm a, I'm a man who is very simple, and I love to have a crack. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, if I look back at the things that I have accomplished, I've done it always with those things in mind. You know, that, that's where I come from. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. So would you say that you gave me uh, like a, a list of five or six attributes then? And so would that would you say that you're, they're your values? Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. So your identities come straight out of your values? Yeah, and you'd throw obviously, you know, um, in terms of values, obviously health, yeah. family, and you can definitely take a lot of that, extract a lot of those things after what I just said in terms yeah. of describing myself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so <clears throat> what's important is that you just explain the loop being – and the, the reason I do ask this, because it's really important to me, my journey was um, one of a lost identity. And I think that the most important thing that people can do to go on a, dr- a growth journey, whether it's health, or whether it's personal development or anything, is to find out who you are first. Like, who am I? Because if we only stack more stuff in, that person's only getting more suppressed and depressed. And so to find out who, who, who really are you, no, I ask that question because of that and I love the answers I get are just like that, Luke. And so I really appreciate your vulnerability in that area. And they're a great list of values, mate, you know, love, success, like all health, you know, all, all that stuff. It's just it's just an awesome picture to put together. That's the Luke the being, not the Luke the doing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and we get trapped up on the on the doing, you know. That well, was one of the cool things that, you know, like I said, you kind of gave me this little bit of a homework about three weeks ago. And one of the cool things that happened was um, once I started to identify maybe who I am, I started to look back at some of the things that I've done in my life and it was like maybe some of the things where I got pulled in the wrong direction. And if I had known maybe who I am, I might have been strong enough to maybe not go down that path. Yeah. Um, So I think that, again, it's a really important question to ask yourself. It's really important to uncover because obviously that you might use that as as a compass in terms of saying no to things, saying yes to things, being focused on your own journey and your own path. Um, so, yeah, it was really valuable. So thank you, Nathan. Well well said, mate. And um, how do you see that now outworking in your life? Like, And, you know, all, all I did was ask you a question. You've, yeah. done, you've done the work, so you can thank me, but it's, it's you who have done it. Um, <clears throat> but now you've got a successful business, a uh, successful marriage and a beautiful little baby and I, I don't. I want to talk to you about a particular journey you've been on over the last twelve months, and that's how we got started on this. But I think there's a lot deeper stuff to to get through. Um, but how do you see now those values adding to your life? How do you see them outworking in a day day to day experience? Mate, um, we're probably going to be talking about the last year, and um, mate, I, I think honestly, it's just really simplifying my life. I think the last year, not only obviously going back and having to think about who I am as a person, but the last year as a whole, um, we're going to be talking about the birth of my daughter, um, Sienna. But the last kind of year has just been really simplifying my life um, and really getting rid of anything that doesn't serve me, that doesn't add to my life in terms of add to the things that I love in my life. 
Um, you know, so I think it's really important. And obviously knowing that now deeply, I can obviously, you know, be comfortable saying no to things that don't really align with what I want, my values, who I am yeah. as a person. Yeah, that's really good, mate. That's really good advice. I think everyone should take that on. Um, we're big on that here. And it's just like, if it doesn't align with those set of values and it doesn't align with who you are and you can see it clearly and we hear it a lot and you've just said it, but we do hear it a lot. I like to live in alignment, but my question is, what's your alignment? What What are you aligning with? And to know that you've gone on that little journey in the last three weeks, um, it's quite inspiring. Well, it's funny, actually. I think I've said that a couple of times. It's, uh, it doesn't align with me, but obviously I didn't actually even know what uh, what that really meant. So, yeah, that, that would have stumped me that question again because I think I've used that in the past. It doesn't yeah. align with what I want or who I am. And yet probably when you ask me the question, who am I? I didn't even know to begin with. There you go. Yeah. Thanks for your vulnerability, mate. This sounds like a tattoo, actually. <laughs> uh, um, just kidding. I don't mind getting a little bit of ink here and there. Um, so I also want to ask a question. How can you – can you look back now past, past that year that we're going to talk about and I'll, I'll just let everyone know that Luke's just spent a year off alcohol, hasn't had a drop for a, a year and I did a 40-day fast recently <clears throat> and we, we want to talk about that because at the end of the day our series is, is about building healthy life patterns and I know that I could talk to you about many, many things to do with health because of what you do and actually the people that you attract to your studio and your programs. But the alcohol thing is seems like for me some something that I actually need to talk more about it, around it. So we've got – that was the reason why we started talking. But there, I feel like there's something there with – so if you don't mind me asking, what are some of the things that maybe you would have said no to if you knew your values and how to align who Luke really was that you you maybe would have normally done and if you'd known them then you would have said oh no that's not that's not doesn't align with me I'm not doing that and staying within your integrity to it hmm, that's a very good question I reckon you know so health is a massive value of my own and you know, I, like this last year specifically has really, again, obviously I've been in the health and fitness space. I've played a lot of sport growing up. Sport has been a massive pillar of my life. Yeah. Um, but you can still play sport and not necessarily be healthy. You know, I think we know that from a lot of athletes and kind of their lifestyle choices. So a, again, um, you know, just really knowing who I am and what health means to me, I think definitely would have made some a lot of different lifestyle choices. Um, and, and even getting pulled in the wrong direction, like, you know, I think – the success that I've had over the last probably three to four years, especially with my business, is because I've kind of really known what I want and I don't really care what anyone else is doing. So again, I'm probably just having a little bit of self-belief when I was younger um, to not get pulled in directions that I didn't really want to be because maybe I was trying to fit in. Yeah. You know, so I definitely think knowing this and saying no to some things would have just more been specifically, again, knowing who I am. And at that specific moment in my life, whether it was Luke at 11 or Luke at 18, you know, it was really important to me. And then obviously just you know, staying focused on that. Yeah. Now, I can't think of anything specifically, but there, there would have been plenty. Yeah, that's a great answer. Um, you mentioned also skeletons that are now out of the closet and we're only new, we're only fresh in to this episode. Um, what are some of the skeletons? Because I'll, I'll tell you, explain why I do this. Like we're not going to – we're going to bank – and anchor all into the positive side of what you've done and where it come from. But I'm just trying to build some relevance for the audience. So 
um, what are some of the skeletons that you are prepared to share with us? Um, so, because you were uh, an under-20 Penrith and Titans player and an undefeated amateur and pro boxer, which, you know, how many people actually knew that? Um, I mean, I know it's on your website, but that lifestyle can lend itself to other things as well yep. from my experience. Yeah, for sure. Um, really, in terms of specific skeletons, like um, my my friends always still laugh at, um, you know, the, the business that I have and the people that I work with um, because a lot of them would, have, you know, say growing up I was, I was very rough. I used to get in a fair few fights. I used to pick on fights. I, you know, I used to get in a fair bit of trouble when I was growing up. Um, and obviously if you look at the, the Luke Baker back then compared to what I do now and what I really choose to do and the people that I help and the impact that I want to have in people's lives, it's, it's, they're completely opposites. Yeah, right. You know, so in, in terms of specific skeletons, um, like I, I am very much of an open book and I do share some of my stories with my clients. Um, but yeah, like I said, my, my, my friends always kind of laugh at the fact of what I'm doing now compared to who I was. And, you know, I used to get into a fair bit of trouble back when I was younger and, you know, uh, I won't go into too much details, but just, just to larrikin, I'm from a small country town, Austinville, which is in between Lismore and Ballina. Um, oh, and, uh, yeah, just used to get into just you know, a bit of trouble back there. How did you end up playing for Penrith under 20s then? Mate, I actually – so I started playing rugby league um, when and I was – that area is a catchment area, isn't it? It is a catchment area, not necessarily for Penrith. Um, I had a, a really – you know, a really important person coming to my life at around about 16. Um, his name was Steve Carter. He's a former Penrith Panthers yeah, player. Yeah. Um, has the most capped – I think he's played 234 games for Penrith Panthers, the most ever. Yeah. Um, him and his family moved into Austinville at about 15, 16. I wasn't even playing rugby league at the time. I was playing a bit of rugby union, a bit of water polo. Um, and he came into my life at a really important time and he kind of took me and I became really good friends with his kids. Yeah. Um, his son Paul was in my bridal party. His – uh, son Blake was my best man and, and actually Steve was my MC at my wedding. And obviously he, him playing for Penrith, I kind of just always wanted to kind of just go down and have a crack down there. So he obviously, you know, I, I trialled at school for them for about two weeks yep. um, and then they asked me to come back for the under-20s. That's awesome. Yeah. And then you all transitioned back up to the Gold Coast. Yeah, so basically, um, obviously the Penrith Panthers right now has huge success. So in mm. terms of you know, picking a team to go down and troll yeah, for, yeah. very tough team. Probably yeah. the worst decision of my, you know, that I could have made in terms of making a team. So I was kind of on the fringes there for a long time and I played a lot for Blacktown and then kind of looked at my options and decided that, okay, well, probably the, if I want to play in the 20s, probably the best thing to do is probably move. Um, so then I transitioned up to the Gold Coast and that's where I've been for the last 10 years. Okay. And you played for the Titans? Yes. Yeah, unreal. Yeah. We actually, our last guest that we had and we just released uh, last week, was a, is a chaplain for the Titans. Yeah, yeah, Tommy, Tommy Vieta. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, he's the chaplain there for the Titans, has been for a few years. But yeah, it's cool. Um, and I noticed that, yeah, I said it, but you were undefeated as an amateur and pro boxer. So is that something that went along with the footy or is that yeah, boxing the, is something that you love? Um, I did a little bit of boxing just for fitness in between maybe a rugby union preseason when I was 15, 16 um, but again, at the very time I was probably just doing it to, you know, prepare myself for maybe some stuff I did on the streets What's at some stage. Go? What's yeah. happening on so, Saturday night? But I, I kind of really enjoyed it. And, and there was something really special about boxing. It's just one-on-one. -on -one. It's very different to a team sport. So I was very much attracted to the fact that I could take 100% responsibility. And if I lost, it was me. I couldn't blame anyone. And if I won, it was me. I couldn't blame anyone. Um, 
But I basically, in between, I think uh, 19 and 20, um, when I was pre-season for the Titans, I believe, I had a just a boxing fight just for something to do. Um, and then that turned into a second one and a third one. And then I had about three or four years break, three years break, I believe. And then I had, uh, so I had 22 fights in total. I th- wow. Two of those were professional fights. Okay. Um, but then I had 14 in one year and then had two pro fights at the end of that. So 14 amateur fights and then two went pro into two. Yeah, and that was all in the space of 12 to 13 months. Wow, that's a that. lot of fights in that time. I suppose amateur, they do that, don't they? They swing them in fast. and Yeah, yeah. So they, I, I did a combination of amateur boxing and, and corporate. Yep. And um, probably the big difference is amateur is obviously on your track record. You've got to wear headgear. You've got it's very sanctioned. Yeah. Um, but corporate's a bit more loose. I could decide to wear ten ounce gloves. I could decide to wear no headgear. Okay. It was kind of agreed upon, yep. and I kind of liked that. That was very much similar to more pro boxing. A bit more blood sport. Yeah. Yeah. A bit more raw, and I yeah. kind of like that style. Yeah. Cool, mate. I can uh, empathise with you. I I did some boxing. Um, I don't know, 2015, I think. We did a a program that you train like a pro for. Yeah, nice. For for 10 weeks and then you have this big boxing furor at the casino and you fight one of your mates who you've been training with for the last 10 weeks and you beat the crap out of each other. So, But I kept going. I, I love the art of boxing. I think there's a real art there. I like ballet. I'm a, Only because my daughters, all three of my daughters did ballet and um, before that I would never have even thought about it. But there's such an art form to that and so I think the same with boxing. There's such an art form to it, every movement – Everything and yeah, I love getting in the ring and throwing punches and missing each other. Yeah, for I didn't sure. like it when we were hitting. Well, I didn't mind hitting the other person, but I didn't yep, like getting yep. hit by the other person. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, one of our trainers, Ben, he's having a fight at the end of April. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, he, I think he did um, something very similar when he was about sixteen. So that would have been eight years ago. Yeah, and. Right. I think everyone should have a boxing fight at some stage. I think it was like obviously it's very scary and like for me there's just nothing nothing better yeah. than getting in the ring and obviously you overcome so much, you don't think you can do it, you're scared that you might get knocked out in front of your friends. Yeah. Um, but you go through this whole journey and you definitely um, on the back end of it you just come out someone with so much more confidence and self-belief. Yeah, you do. You're, you're definitely exposed, aren't you? Yeah. There's yeah. nowhere to hide in that. Nowhere to hide, no 100%. That. Yeah. Well, I loved it, mate. And hey, what a great fight. Was it last weekend or the weekend weekend With before? Tim Zoo? Yeah. He, he surprised me. I, um, Tony Harrison, he's a great boxer. And I I didn't know how he was going to go against Tony, but yeah. uh, he impressed me a lot. Yeah. 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 And I think he's uh, underrated in the rest of the world at the moment. So It won't be for long, I don't think. No, I don't think no. so either. It was a, a great outcome. And even for his younger brother and a couple of lo- – well, no, the local boy. Oh, yeah, there was a local boy. Who yeah, got Benny a- uh, Marnie, he fought there as well. Yeah. Um, he got robbed. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So he, he won that fight, but it was called a draw. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he showcased a lot of skills. He's great. I've done a lot of sparring with Benny. Have you? Um, yeah, he's a phenomenal boxer. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so it was a good round of fights that, mm. that, that day. Anyway, we, we need to get into We're that. off topic. Off topic we completely. Boxing all day. <laughs> we could, we could. Um, you also, um, in your bio, you've got as a most motivational speaker on health and mindset, and you've been doing that for a few years at King's College? Yeah, no, so um, – it's something that I did do. I haven't done much of it since I opened up Evolve. Okay. Yeah. So, I've so how done, long has you, how long have you opened Evolve? Um, so I opened up Evolve in 2018. Right. Um, and I've, so I've owned it for five years. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, okay. So tell us about because we had this discussion about the particular clients that you actually attract in Evolve. Mm. What what does that look like? Mate, for me, like our our mission at the studio is just to make health a part of people's everyday life. 
you know, I've, I've never had an interest in training athletes. I've never had an interest in making fit people fitter. I want to help people who maybe have never, ever trained before. They might not know what to do, where to start. They might feel intimidated to go to a gym. They might feel judged. They have no idea. That they've got so much information out there. They just don't know where to start. So I've only ever wanted to work with those people. Okay. Um, and that's our studio. And though we do have a lot of fit people at our studio now, but the people that we attract and the people that I love working with and the reason why I opened up Evolve was to create a place where, you know, a safe place for people who can be more and safe from intimidation and safe from judgment. Yeah. And specifically people that, you know, just need help. Yeah. They don't know what to do or where to start. Because there's so much information out there. So much. Yeah, especially now with, with social media. Mm. Um, and, you know, you can jump on there and you get a bit of, uh, you know, paralysis. You go, shit, okay, I could do this, I could do that. Someone's telling me something this way. Someone's telling me to do something the opposite. Mm. Okay, I'm not going to do anything because I don't know what to do. Yeah. Let's no, no, use that term again, paralysis. Yeah. Yeah. yeah decision, what's it called? decision paralysis, I believe, or something okay. like that. Yeah. yeah. And, and that happens all the time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, I can see that actually because there is so much confusing information out here. And um, also want to honour you for the fact that you actually work with uh, the, every Thursday they come in, the underprivileged. Tuesday, Tuesday Thursday, Tuesday, yep. Tuesday, Thursday. You just give us a bit of background about that. Well, mate, um, originally our trainer, Ben, um, I'm not too sure if you know Ben at all, um, but he did a little bit of work for a uh, a company called Short Term Support. Um, and when he was PTing by himself, he used to do run this group every, I think it was Wednesday. Um, and then Ben started working for us. And actually Ben was the first person to actually bring them towards us. Okay. Um, and in, yeah, in fact, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome to have them here, but I can't take the credit at all. Um, so I'm, I'm going to like um, Aris, who you know as well as one of our other trainers, um, he started taking the class um, and he does such a wonderful job. He absolutely loves working with them. Yeah. Uh, so both him and I kind of took the class for a long time and then he kind of took over the reins. Okay. Um, and now we have multiple of one-on-one sessions as well with some of those clients. Um, they originally came in with the group and then we have them come in individually. Yeah. Um, and again, like um, it's for, – for, again, for us, it's just, you know, showing people that – you know, uh, uh, probably the best way to describe it, I love having them part of our studio and I love them training at the same time as, you know, all of us are training as well because it just shows, hey, like if you have an able body and you're not compromised in any way, then, you know, I think it's your right to train mm. and, and not just to train but to make the most of it mm. because you have people here that would only, they would they would swap their scenario with yours in a heartbeat oh, yeah. and yet yeah. they're still making the most of it. They're still turning up. They're still giving it their, their all. Yeah. Um, so it's very inspiring. Um, but for me personally, I've got, I've got to give the reins to Aris. Aris is definitely driving it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for him it lights his world up. Yeah, that's amazing. And, yeah. and, like, I think every business should have a leg where they do do stuff like you're doing, you know, like a, a mission is attached to their purpose and, like, your purpose might be getting – people healthy and stuff like that, but bringing in uh, disabled people to be able to train with you and giving them the opportunity to do that, it's, it's a very honourable thing and I don't think enough people in the world or businesses in the world are doing stuff like that. So well done. You might pass that glory on to Aris, but at the end of the day you're the business owner and so it falls on your shoulders, mate. So uh, well done. Um, let's get into one of the main reasons why we wanted to talk today and that's uh, a, a year ago you decided to go on a sabbatical from alcohol. Um, and I know that you're saying that you were going to stop drinking when your daughter was born 
And then, you know, around a year later, you're going to turn 30 and you might add a party. Um, but there was – there's some probably other things attached to that. So just explain to everyone, why did you decide to do a year without alcohol? Yeah, for sure. So, mate, I – to be fair, I probably have been thinking about giving up alcohol for a long time. I I remember the first kind of – What? Why? Why? So when I was 21, one of my really good friends, his name is Hamish, he, he decided to give up alcohol between the ages of 22 and 23. And I saw his life completely change and he decided to do it at a very young age. Uh, so 22, sorry. And again, like he lost 20 kilos. He found, fell in love with the gym. Um, and I don't think he'll mind me saying this, but at that probably time before giving up alcohol, he was probably a little bit lost. He didn't really know who he was didn't really know where he fitted in, what groups he fitted in. And I just saw a massive transformation in himself. Um, and again, he's now 30 um, and he's still a completely different person since that one year. So ever since then, I have pondered upon the idea. Again, it wasn't enough for me to make a decision, but I have thought about it. And when I thought about myself in the future at some stage, I did think of myself as a non-drinker. Um, so let's kind of fast forward now. Um, so I'm 29. So my whole year of alcohol isn't finished yet. It's very, very close. So I turned 30 on the 20, uh, the 5th of April okay. and my one year will finish on the 3rd. So right. it's only a couple of weeks time. Yeah. Um, but there was a couple of events that kind of really happened for me to make the decision. Like I said, I had been pondering upon the idea for a while. Um, and I still remember this extremely vividly. Um, so this was 2000 and 2021 on Father's Day. I, I woke up. Uh, I wasn't a father at this stage. So I just woke up like a normal day and I woke up. I went to the toilet, uh, did my normal routine, shower, the rest. And I come back inside um, and on the, my side of the bed, there was a box and my wife was there. And uh, as I opened the box up, there was a, a positive uh, pregnancy test. Oh, wow. And, um, what you know, a great Father's Day present. Oh, amazing. And um, I think when I told you originally, I got quite emotional. I, yeah. I was emotional then, I'm emotional now. Yeah. And uh, she, she said, Luke, you're going to be a father for the first time. Oh. And yeah, it was at that, that moment, it, it, things just started to change. I, I started thinking differently. I started to reflect. And again, I didn't make the decision to give up drinking there and then, but it got me to ask questions like, and what type of father do I want to be? Mm. And how do I want to show up as a man, as a husband, as a father? Yeah. Can I pause you for a second? Mm. I, I, want to, I just want to make an example um, of what Luke's just done. And we, please remember where we're at because we want to go straight back to it. The last episode that we've just released was about self-awareness and the questions, the first questions that we need to ask in self-awareness, real self-awareness, is the what questions. And if we all just saw that then, Luke became very self-aware and he asked himself a what question. So that was – we just released that in our last yeah, I think I – did you post something recently about that? You were asking It went yourself, out today. Yeah, yeah, I saw that as, yeah. I, as I was driving here. Yeah, so um, – Yeah, so like I was saying, it, it got me to really reflect. Again, it just changed my perspective on things. Again, I didn't make the decision to give up alcohol there and then, but it definitely got me to think about things more deeply. And it was probably, again, two months after that, I was just listening to a Jordan um, Peterson podcast, and in this podcast he says – now, you only have small kids for four years. Mm. That's it. And once it's done, it's done. You no longer have small kids anymore. And I just remember listening to that and going, fucking hell, you know, uh, I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to miss a damn thing. And not only do I want to miss anything, I don't want to be compromised whilst being there. Yeah. I want to be completely present. I don't want to be, you know, being there but thinking about, man, I can't wait to get on the couch because I'm hungover. You know, so – 
I like there and then I, it was quite an emotional decision in terms of, you know, my decision to give up alcohol, but I also, it was logistical as well in the sense that I really laid out my life. I go, okay, what's really important to me? Okay. I've got my business because my business is my baby as well. You know, I love and cherish that thing. Uh, I've got my own health. I've got my relationships that I have with my, my wife. And then I'm going to add something in the mix, which is obviously becoming a father, my daughter. And I looked upon it and I was like, well, you know, if I want to do all these four things the way that I want to do them and achieve goals the way that I want to do it, then something has to give. Mm. And for me, that thing was, okay, well, you know, I probably only drink 20, 20 times a year. Um, I don't drink Monday to Friday. I just, if I'm going to drink, I send it basically. It's, yeah. It might be an old yeah. footy mentality. Yeah, yeah. But again, it's 20 times in, in the, but then I might be compromised for two or three days afterwards. Okay. And for that, I'm just like, okay, um, all right. From that point, I'm going to give up alcohol for an entire year. Yeah. And that was that was kind of how, how it unfolded. And okay. that's what uh, happened to make my decision. And how have you found it? Because, like, if we think about people may – like, there's all sorts of different drinkers. There's, like, yeah. constant, you know, a couple of drinks a day. There's a couple of drinks a day and then hit it on the weekend. And then there's the sendits like yourself and – um. So just trying to make it relative for everybody. Um, how have you found completely stopping? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I think it is really important that um, – to give you a little bit of context in terms of – A bit of high vibe water coming out. Yeah, nice. My relationship with alcohol. Again, um, I was someone who never drank during the week. Um, I wouldn't have one or two or three drinks ever. Um, even my, my relationship with my wife, very rarely would we ever drink together. Um, I literally was every three weeks or every every four weeks, I would go out and hang out with my mates and, and, and go pretty hard. Just binge? Yeah, just binge. That that was my relationship with alcohol and okay. I probably have had that since I was probably 16. Yeah, that was right. kind of probably my relationship with alcohol at the time. Um, so the, the biggest thing that I found, um, you know, we are our rituals and we are our habits. And because I maybe had that kind of vicious cycle of one month – I would maybe start to develop and build these really positive habits and then it would just kind of crumble down ah. and I'd kind of go through that cycle. So the biggest thing that I notice is when I tell people, I don't really tell people I've you know, given up alcohol for 365 days because it's not really that fair because I was never a Monday to Friday drinker anyway. Yeah. So when I talk about it, I talk about, okay, it's been 52 Sundays and Mondays in a row that I've waken up, woken up fresh, yeah. motivated, ready to go, and I can compound my success from the week before. Yeah. And that's been the biggest difference yeah. is that there's consistency. You're still going to have shit days. You're still going to have troubling times, but you're in a much better mind frame to be able to deal with those things. Mm. And that's probably the biggest thing that I've noticed that I'm so much more consistent in the areas in my life that I, I want to progress in. Yeah, okay. Um, well done. You're not finished. You're nearly finished. Are you going to go back to it? So it's quite an interesting one actually because – I I was always planning to have a 30th birthday yeah. and obviously turning 30 is something to celebrate for sure and I definitely will be celebrating but I just could not really see the sense in actually having a party like especially a typical party where all my mates are there and we get on the piss and things like that so probably three months ago I kind of pulled you know canned that I told my wife hey, I, I definitely don't want to party. I, I really just want to, you know, if you and I want to go away for the weekend or if, you know, want to go out for dinner, I don't really mind what we do. I won't be drinking. Mm -hmm. um, so 
once the year is finished, I'm not going to specifically make any or put any rules on myself. Okay. Um, I'm not going to drink on my birthday or wait to the, you know, the third, which is the whole year. But I'm not going to put any rules on myself just that, just yet. Um, and then we'll just see how, how it all unfolds. Yeah, okay. For sure. So when we spoke, we like, – and I, like, I honour what you were saying about there was – you found these four different things <laughs> and understanding there is only actually 100% of Luke Baker. There's not 120%. There's only 100%. So you have these four things and you want to dev- devote certain percentage of that to each one of them and so the alcohol couldn't fit in anymore or the way you were doing that and still benefit those things. But when we spoke, it was there was something that was really attached to being a father. And so I speak, speak of that. When you decided to stop alcohol – the, your daughter was about to go was was not about to, but you she was going to be born, and it really made an effect on me because of what you said about being a father. So can you just open that little? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know something like like I said, when my wife gave me the news that I was going to become a father, um, it, it really hit me because again, like I think you would know this. Um, you've got like pre kids, and then you've got post kids. There's really nothing else after that, and. And once you have kids, your life completely changes. And for myself, um, you know, I, I uh, basically my my mum and dad split up when I was eleven, um, and I was really close to my dad. Um, but just in the circumstances that they split up, kind of, I lost my dad then. But he kind of ran off and didn't really come back for a. We've only just recently connected, actually. So he met my daughter Sienna at Christmas time, and that was the first time we've really connected. Um, so that probably again played, played a massive role and my dad was a big drinker from there as well. And like when I made the, so your dad was a big drinker, My dad, you saw that first 11 years. Yeah. My dad was a big drinker and my dad was a really good dad. Yeah. Like, um, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. He he was amazing. And him and I were really close, but, um, again, I I witnessed, he, he was a big drinker and, um, you know, he missed a lot of things. Uh, he was he was there for a lot of things as well, but he definitely missed a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and then when him and dad, or him and mum split up, um, he kind of went to another family, and that that was kind of it. So he went from being a massive part of my life to then not in my life at all, like that a flick of a switch. Um, so th- again, that kind of had a big impact on my life as well. And for me, like when dad missed so much of my my teen and my uh, he didn't come to my wedding, didn't watch me play. Take your time. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't expect that. Yeah, so like, you know, dad was there for the first 11 years and then he missed so much growing up. He, he didn't go to my wedding. Just missed a lot basically. And then, you know, from that I just really made the decision that I I didn't want to miss a thing. You know, so when I laid it out logistically and, you know, I, I just really – did not want to miss a damn thing. And in that one year, like Jordan Peterson said, you only got small kids for four years and it's now one year is almost finished. So in, in your <laughs> – she's nearly one. And, yeah, well, she you know, she's gone from being so dependent on us to now she's actually feeding herself. She's crawling. She's, you know, standing up on things. And yeah. and I think the, associate, the association that I had was – you know, like I obviously associated the alcohol with missing a lot of events and a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and the reason why that was so meaningful to me is because, again, like, you know, my dad missed so much of my life. You know, he wasn't at my wedding and you know, didn't watch any of my sporting events and things like that. So 
that you know, was a was a massive thing for myself. Well, I'm sorry that actually happened to you, Luke. And um, you know, those things can be drivers. Um, what did we hear recently? Driven, dragged, or you're walking. You know, in it. Um, and so, mate, I am sorry to hear about that with your dad. How are things with your dad now? Yeah, good, good. We we haven't spoken about anything, but we definitely have bridged it. Bridged it. Yeah. So we've, like I said, he met um, my daughter for the first time um, at Christmas time uh, up in Townsville, and uh, it, it was good. It was good. We, you know, it was a very you know shallow meeting, but um, we didn't really talk about things, and you know, we're still in contact now. So, what would it mean to you to open that wound up? In terms of having a conversation with him, yeah. Um, you know, like I, I have really thought about this, and I, I've got a an older brother and an older sister, and we have really talked about it. Um, and just to give everyone a bit of a context, so uh, my dad was cheating on my mum, and she, mum caught my dad, and then dad ran away with that woman, and kind of had a family with them. Um, but you know, like I, I always say, like obviously I was pretty upset. I was, I was 11 at the time. I was pretty upset and I might've been upset for maybe six months, but then, you know, you, as a kid, you get over it and then all, all you kind of really want is your father. Yeah. And I think deep down, I don't think he really ever forgave himself, Okay. you know, so I don't think he could ever kind of show up again because maybe he was ashamed of what he'd done. Yeah. Mm. That's a great perspective, mate, because, um, so easy for you to fall into the blame game. So well done. That's a great perspective to hold. And um, I will only hope for the future where you two can have that deep conversation and let those uh, let those little things mend. I've had a few of those with some of my children and uh, they're important. Um, so alcohol, your, your example of alcohol um, was going to be that because your dad missed some pretty massive things for you, that all a, all a boy wants is to have his dad on the sideline or his dad in the box in the corner of the, of the ring and just like, I got you, I'm here, go for it, you know. Um, and so you've associated that with the alcohol as being a part of the reason it missed a lot and that's where you've gone forward and gone, well, I'm not going to do that with my daughter. I'm actually not going to miss anything because like Jordan Peterson says, you've only got them from one to four and believe me when they get to, uh, if they're anything like my eldest daughter, who's actually a producer, um, when they get to two and a half, they start running your world. Yeah. <laughs> they can do more than you can. <laughs> and um, and it's the, it's the most funnest journey you can ever have. And like you do have them for a lot longer than four. Uh, there's a lot more to miss out as they get older. And um, you've been a great example for me, even just in this podcast, because I believe that I haven't probably been the greatest example to my kids with that. Um, I don't haven't missed out on anything, but I may have missed out on some things. Uh, I may have missed, haven't missed out on the big things, but there's some small things that I could have done better in that area, um, mate. So really, really, and you don't you're you're so you've come to the conclusion that you're not saying you won't drink, but you're not saying you will either. You're just going to leave it in the air and go, I'll see how I feel. Yeah, for the time being, for sure. Um, obviously, I'm going to, you know, the, the the original goal was one year. I I feel amazing. Um, you know, so I'm not going to, you know, plan anything to drink. Uh, I'm not going to set any rules in terms of, okay, another six months or two years. Um, that definitely might, might be the case. And again, I, I might have a night and go, you know what, it's definitely, it's just not worth it. Um, but 
at this very at this very second, like there's just so many things that I value that might be impacted by alcohol that yeah. I don't want them to be impacted by. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so. Yeah, that, that, that was a, a big decision as well, um, you know, obviously to, to give up the alcohol um, and you know, we'll just see how it all unfolds. Yeah. So if someone is contemplating this sort of stuff, because I, I don't, th- I think there's probably a lot of, there's a lot of pressure on Aussies when it comes to drinking either way. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'm, you know, like I'm an advocate for moderation, so I'm trying to find moderation in my own life. But... Um, but what would your advice be to someone who's like, you know what, you know, all my mates drink, it's my own association. And what did you, like, I'll ask that question first. What what would be your advice for someone who's contemplating it? And then I've got another question I want to ask you about mates and alcohol as well. Yep. Um, so the first question was advice for someone contemplating the yeah, idea. Yeah, contemplating a year. And then, you know, there's a couple other things on the back of that. Well, probably the most important thing is like everyone's going to have a different relationship with alcohol. So it really depends on what that relationship is yeah. and, and the reason why you want to give up alcohol. Um, I always say like I've decided to give up alcohol for 12 months, but you definitely don't need to. You've just done 40 days. Mm. So I think most people could benefit of having a break from alcohol. Okay. And it might be one month and it might be six months. It might be 12 months. You know, I'd say most people would benefit not drinking at all. But yeah. again, life is meant to be you know, enjoyed. And if that's what you like to do in moderation, then fantastic. Um, but my, my first advice would be just to kind of really identify what are you trying to gain from giving up alcohol? Yeah. Um, and one of the best things that I did in this whole year is that every Sunday, um, my wife, Carolee, and my daughter, Sienna, we would walk. Talabadra, we would have a coffee at the Talabadra uh, Recreational Club and would go for a swim. And just having something that I cherished more than potentially maybe going out on a Saturday that I needed to be fresh for, we used to go nice and early. Yeah. Having something that you look forward to in place on a Sunday, or maybe if your day's Friday night on a Saturday, have something there in place that means more to you than that night itself. Yeah, I think that's really important, especially if you're someone who's like temp- tempted, you know, come come Friday afternoon, oh shit, okay, the boys are texting me um, or, or, the, or the ladies are texting you. And I think that's really important as well is to have something there that you're looking forward to. It might be going to the gym, you know, it might be finding health. It might be, um, you know, going for a walk with your partner yeah. or, your, or your kids, Yeah, you know, find something there and, and put it in place. Yeah. I can testify to that. Like I, I yeah, the 40 days, I didn't want to wake up on a Monday morning and do the style of workouts that I was doing and feel the same way I was previously. Yeah. So it's exactly right, you know, just to add something like that. And um, so the health benefits for you over the last over that year? So the, the tangible health benefits, um, like for me, like I said, I was just way, way more consistent. And when you're consistent in all areas of your life, you, you're going to be better off. Okay. For me, my sleep was way more consistent. Oh. And, and because I had made the decision to give up alcohol for other reasons as well, I thought, you know what, well, let's utilize this year and let's see if we can get, you know, all of my areas in, in my health better. Okay. You know, so my training was more consistent. My sleep was more consistent. My hydration was more consistent. Um, and I just had the, like, again, more energy and more time and more focus to focus on those things. Yeah. And we know, like, just talking about sleep quickly, there's a, there's a real, uh, there always has been a thing about sleep, but right now Huberman's yep. all on sleep. And we had Geordie Chenery who's a big sleep convert into the studio. And, um, and I, you know, I love a good sleep. Um, but that's what I found as well. So my sleep was more consistent. So Yeah, for sure. That's great. So you did get some really good health benefits. Now, I want to ask the other question about 
the the mateship with alcohol. Like you said, the relationship, and I think that's a really important one to ask. My my relationship with alcohol was not in a really good place before I started that. Um, so that was one of the things I really identified. But then there's, and so if you are thinking of it, you, that's the question that Luke's saying is: let, ask yourself the question: What's my relationship with alcohol? Is it is it a binge thing, or is it I need to? Is it just consistency? Why would you drop it? You know, that's one really big thing. And we'll come back to that as a tip that you may, yep. may have used. Um, but mates, when it comes to drinking, um, what happens there when you stop drinking? Well. Because in Australia, we need our mates. It, yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and this is this is a funny thing. Like I had a couple of people say to me, Luke, you know, don't you think, you know, isn't not, isn't not drinking boring? And I kind of really thought about that for a while. And then. I thought about it and I came to the conclusion. I was like, well, name one thing that you can do better than me drunk that I can't do sober. And they might come up with, I might have a bit more liquid courage to speak to someone, to go up to a girl. I might be as a bit of a social lubricant. And then you look at that and go, well, that's a skill. So I can learn that and I can do it sober. In fact, I reckon I could probably do it better sober if I gave myself the time and the effort to do it. So I think when it comes to mates, and this is a really important thing, I think that everyone has to, like, if you understand why you're giving up alcohol, and I, I think, you know, in Australia, people say that they've got a rubber arm. I say, well, no, you just don't really know why you're giving it up yeah. or why you want to have a break from it. And once you know that, once you ask yourself, why do I want to give up alcohol for a period of time? What are the benefits? You know, what, what positive am I going to get out of my life? then you no longer have a rubber arm and it shouldn't matter how many friends heckle you, the decision is made, I'm not going to give up alcohol. Yeah. And like it's a bit of tough love because I've got a lot of friends that say, you know, I've given up alcohol but then I went out and I got my arm twisted and I started drinking again. And it's like, well, you don't have a rubber arm. You just, you know, you just, you know, you're giving in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's going to be tough because here in Australia we do have a culture of drinking. Mm. Um, but I think once you un- identify why you're giving it up and, and even talking to your, your friends about it before you go out mm. and they, letting them know, okay, hey, I'm going to give up alcohol for this reason, this reason, this reason. Most of the time, if you do that in a very, you know, in a very you know, professional manner, I should say, then they're going to respect that. Yeah. Um, but if you kind of don't do it and you kind of half say I'm giving up alcohol and then you go out with them, of course they're going to heckle you. Yeah. You know, that, that's just our culture. Um, but again, it's going to be pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think accepting that it's going to be hard. Um, and, you know, when I set the goal to give up alcohol, um, you know, I did make the, also the goal to, hey, I wanted to live my normal life and socialise normally just without alcohol. Okay. Some of my friends have done no alcohol for a couple of months, but we didn't ever see them. They kind yeah. of disappeared. And I didn't really want to do that. I, I wanted to kind of develop the social skills to be able to socialise without alcohol. Um, yeah, as well. That, that's brilliant, actually. That's really is because I do hear the same thing, and it's it's boring without it. And then it, I, I'm just not going to do anything. And um, I would get a couple of those Franklin cans of water that you can buy and stick in a stubby cooler while I'm socialising. That's the only way I could do it, you know. Yep. Um, but yeah, like what I found also, which I wanted to add to the friendship thing, is friends looked different um, if I needed alcohol to have that friendship. So they look different. So, mate, um, that's a huge uh, thing that you've achieved with a year off and a great example. But great questions to ask yourself is is why why am I taking this break? And I was only thinking when you were saying it about how important it is to anchor that back to what we started with. 
is the values. You know, what are really my values and health's a, health's a value and this is a value and family's a value. And obviously for you, uh, with the with the, the trauma from your dad wound, um, being a part of that, like, has created that value of, hey, family's important to me and I want to be everything for my daughter. I want to be there for her so I'm not going to miss out. So that's a... a Come back to even and, – and I have this conversation with somebody else. Um, actually, it was Jordan, Geordie Tenery, uh, when we were talking on the podcast about his, you know, his values and how important and how aligned he was to them. He said he would make split-second decision, split decisions to get out of Melbourne when things were going wrong and split-second decisions to do this. And it was very apparent that he wasn't making split-second decisions. He was reacting from his values. And so um, – even though you may not have known that whole set of who Luke was, you were still responding from that place. And so it's a good discovery to come back to. Yeah, for sure. Mate, thanks for sharing all that stuff. I, I actually, um, I want to ask you a couple other things about where, where do you see you going now? Like what, what's, what's next for Luke? Like you, you've developed this great studio. You've got a, a great bunch of different demographic people come and you help them. You're less about, what World Gym is, which World Gym fits for World Gym, and more about helping people who may not feel like they can walk into a World Gym, um, and that's a real honourable thing. Um, so, but what's next for you? What what's what's going to happen next, mate? Uh, so, like I said, the the Evolve has been open for five years, um, but the the way that Evolve opened um, back five years ago was very very rushed. So I, I kind of only feel like the studio's really been open for three years okay. because it's been three, the last three years it's kind of been in a position where I've had a bit of breathing room and I've actually had to, you know, ha- had enough resources and time and had trainers there helping me to be able to kind of think about the direction of the studio itself. Um, to give a bit of a background story, like my wife and I were traveling around America for, for four weeks and I got a phone call in the last week. So I was working for a franchise before and I got a phone call saying, hey, um, you know, uh, I'm going to close up the shop um, or potentially sell it. Um, but if I don't sell it, I'm going to close it up. So when we got back to America, we had no money, no nothing, no, you know, I had been thinking about opening up my studio. Um, but again, it's something that I kind of just pushed to the side. But now I was kind of left with a, a decision to make within three weeks. Um, so I kind of opened up Evolve without a business plan, without money, without time. Uh, and it probably took about a year and a half of just hustling and kind of just working in it to kind of get myself a bit of breathing room to be able to go, okay, awesome. Now what's the plan? What's the path? Okay. okay. What's, what's the mission? So for me, again, the mission is, is very simple. It's, it's just to make health a part of people's everyday life. And I just, at this stage, really just want to grow it. At the moment we have five trainers. We've got about 115 members. Um, we do about 160 hours of personal training hours each week. Wow. Um, and we just want to, for me, I just want to grow that. Um, and at the same time as well, like I, I, the way that I do things at Evolve, I not only have a passion for obviously transforming clients' lives, but, but also trainers as well. I'm not too sure if you're aware, but like the personal training industry, um, like the average lifespan of a PT is about eight months. And I've seen, I've been a PT for 10 years and I've seen so many fantastic personal trainers come and go, not because they're not good enough, not because they, um, you know, they don't, aren't passionate enough, but because they just, again, don't know what to do. Um, so part of Evolve as well is is not only uh, you know, transforming tra- clients, but also giving trainers the best possibility to make it a career for themselves and love it just as much as I do. Okay. So I want to keep developing, growing my team. Okay. 
Yeah. And so what education do you use around that? What, what are you doing to learn more about that? In terms of the, the development side of things the for my trainers? Side, development for your trainers and, and yeah, and because and, and at the end of the day, development for your trainers will be learning from you. So what, what are you doing with yourself to, to grow that space? Man, a, a lot of it is – so I was part of a, a, a franchise called Vision Personal Training. Yeah. Um, they're quite big down in Sydney. Yeah. Um, they're kind of nation-based and also New Zealand now. Um, and a lot of my development um, and a lot of the things that I learned um, comes from, from what I learned at my vision days. Okay. Um, and again, a, a lot of what I kind of show my clients – or my trainers, sorry, is just really simply – how to make sure to have a sustainable business. Yeah. And again, I got my PT cert. I like to make the joke out of a cereal box. 12 weeks, done, yeah, okay. off you go. Yeah. Um, and a lot of PTs that come to me with the same thing. And again, per- personal training is just like any business. You've got to be the marketer. You've got to be the customer care. You've got to be the technician. Mm. And what I just show them here at Evolve is like the Evolve brand itself takes care of a lot of the stuff that they didn't get into personal training for. They got into PT because they wanted to look, you know, get in front of clientele. And what I do and what I create is systemized around that where, you know, they can have to do less in the back end so they can spend more of the time of what they really want to do, which is to get in front of more people. Okay, that's awesome. So you've actually developed a business model for PTs so they can PT and not admin. Yeah, so yeah, much. Yeah, sure. that's, that's and, and the sales and the marketing side, and I look after majority of all that as well. Yeah. They've got some to do themselves, but for me, you know, just develop them skills. They got into the industry because they want to, you know, get clients great results. Yeah. So for me, I looked at it and go, okay, well, what's the best way that I can do that, and how can I, what can I create that makes their back end easier so they can keep the, the business alive, but they can spend more time doing what they're passionate about. Yeah, yeah, that's great, mate. I, I love that because, yeah, some people aren't built for business. But they should be in the health in that space. You know, they're not not built to understand those things. And and by the way, uh, congratulations on the right way to do a startup. <laughs> Bootstrapping yeah, is, first, and yeah. grinding and hustling is just the hardest fucking thing you can do. Yep. But at the end of the day, um, you can pat yourself on the back for the rewards that it brings. You know. So uh, now let's just jump into the health space. We, uh, I won't keep you too much longer, um, but I just want to jump into the health space a little bit. Um, because I've had this health journey myself and I'm actually going to talk about me for a little bit here so you can use me as an example. Um, uh, didn't look after myself uh, as a tradie, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, constant diet, breakfast was Coke, cigarettes and coffee. Nice. Uh, and or maybe a Mars bar on the way to work, sausage roll for lunch and more cigarettes and Coca-Cola and beer and all that sort of stuff. So I, didn't, I never looked after myself for a long, long time. And I don't know, I just felt I needed to, started doing different things like the fight program. But there's so much information out there, like you said, decision paralysis was definitely it's not it's not one of my things because I'm I'm more of a seeker of information. I love I'm curious. So I'm always trying to find something. So then I'd start on a diet or a this or a that or this or that and find myself doing yo-yos and all sorts of stuff. But what I found and what I noticed, and we spoke about this down uh, down when we, we sat down, down at MCs and had that first discussion was what I noticed um, was no one was really building healthy life patterns. They were more interested in what you losing weight on their program um, and not really too concerned about what your health was, what, what, what they were putting in your body to make you healthy. They're more concerned about, okay, if, if we can get your weight loss in 10 weeks, then you'll spend the money with us. And I, 
I did a lot of that. So, um, and now I've built a, a different pattern altogether, and my journey's completely different. So, using that as an example, like what's important here is weight loss important, more important than health, or is health more important than weight loss? What should come first, and your view of health and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, for sure. So, obviously, health is very important. And weight loss is very important as well. I think there's there's a number of statistics out there to show us that you know if you lose a dramatic amount of health, you will get healthier. And it doesn't necessarily matter if you lose health, if you lose a lot of fat quickly, or if you lose a lot of fat just focusing on calories rather than nutrients. If you lose a lot of fat, like fat is one of the biggest indicators of lack of health. You know, and obviously the more fat you have, um, in the more indications show that you are going to be less healthy. Yeah. But in saying that, it's again, it's one of those things like. At the end of the day, we want to make sure that actually probably the best best example that I have is like I have conversations with clients all the time and people ask me, Luke, is it, you know, what's more important? Is it calories or is it nutrients? And the best example that I like to give is, again, they're both very important. But if you came home today and you went in the laundry and all of a sudden you noticed that there was water on the floor, and not just that, you saw a leak of water pouring out. Now, what do you do? Do you continue to mop the water off the floor and the water still leaking out? Or do you fix the leak first and then you have the opportunity to mop the water off the floor? Mm. If you don't fix the leak, yep. you're going to continue mopping the fl- water off the floor for yeah, the rest of your a life. Good analogy, that one. So again, the leak is calories. Okay. You know, if you overconsume c- too many calories from healthy food, you're still going to remain fat. Okay. But at the same time as reducing your calories intake, or maybe not necessarily reducing your calorie intake, but starting to develop really good habits around training and exercise and steps and you reduce your calories in some way, shape, or form, whilst eating healthy, nutritious foods, that's what you want to do. Okay. But calories are still, when it comes to fat loss, the most important thing, but carrying too much fat on our body is still the number one determining factor of lack of health. Yeah, okay. Does that kind of make sense? It's a great answer because it's a balanced answer. That's what you're, you're talking about is, yeah, the calories are important, the health's important, so – nutrients are important so let's balance all three and build a healthy life pattern around all three of those yeah um the biggest issue that i have like with most of our clientele again they're people who maybe have never set foot in a gym in their life yeah they've maybe typed on into google how to lose weight yeah and the biggest issue with that is like a lot of people try to be optimal from the get-go yeah okay and they have no business trying to be optimal yeah. That they can get away with making the smallest of changes to become healthier. And like I said, right now you've got fit people, you know, doing crazy fit things on Instagram. They look fantastic. They're very aesthetically pleasing. And then you've got people over here going, well, if that's what it means to be healthy, I don't want a bar of it. Yeah, okay. That's, that's too much. Yeah. What people forget is there is this middle ground. You can definitely be healthy. You can look yourself in the mirror and be happy with what you see whilst enjoying a beer, whilst eating pizza. Mm-hmm but also developing habits along yep. the way. Like I always say with all of our programs, it's not what you achieve with us, but about what you learn and who you become along the way. At the end of the day, you might have to give your results back at some stage, but the knowledge that you gain and the experience that you get along the way and the habits that you learn, you never ever have to give that back. Right. And that's why it's really important that an education is a massive pillar of all of our programs because I think that's the bridge between someone getting results and then keeping that results is the education. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's good. In, in your opinion, um, or your let me just say your, your perspective, I'm, I'm not a big opinions person, but your perspective, um, what is the number one thing that people need to achieve goals? 
or a gold itself. <laughs> that yeah. would be pretty important. That would probably be the number one thing. And I'm one thing. Let's uh, ask for three then. <laughs> uh, so obviously the, the gold itself and, and a, a realistic plan. Again, people underestimate, people overestimate what they can achieve in 10 weeks, but underestimate what they can achieve in a year. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. you know, like for some reason when it comes, I'm going to use health as an example again when it comes to goals. For some reason, like, you know, you might have gained weight or gained 10 kilos over five years, but then all of a sudden you want to lose 10 kilos in 10 weeks. Mm. So where does that ever come from? Yeah. Um, yeah, instant gratification. Instant gratification. Comparison. Comparison for a great example. So giving yourself a realistic time frame to achieve any goal, like, and that's the most important thing. Like if you put, you know, a bit of effort in every single day, doesn't you don't have to be going crazy or don't have to be burning out, but if you put a little bit of effort in every day but you give yourself a year, you, you'll be quite surprised on, on who you are at the end of that one year. Yeah. So giving yourself a time frame, giving yourself a bit of time. Um, so goal, time frame, and then probably – the plan in itself would probably be the third one yeah. you know, having a realistic plan. And if you don't know how to create the plan for yourself, then go seek someone that can help you uh, create it. Yeah. They're three great tips, mate. Um, thank you so much for being on here today. I really appreciate it. Um, and I've loved your vulnerability and we've got to know more about Luke and that, um, that, that little pain that you have at about 11. Um, I'm, I'm believing that's become a superpower for you because, Anyone who wants to stand up and go, I'm, a, I'm going to be a dad, so I want to be there for the whole time and do that. You've become a very genuine man in my eyes and I have a lot of honour and respect for that. Um, so well done. Um, any just, just any advice at all, like uh, starting a business or getting on a health – like obviously you're more – which I like is a long-term – journey is better than a short-term one <laughs> it's probably more sustainable the habits will build longer you know and now they've disproved that habits aren't built in 21 days or 23 days or 30 days what they say what do they say now oh, it's there's no definite answer it's longer than a hundred longer than a hundred times you need to repeat something for it to become an absolute stalwart in your life but it can happen earlier depends I saw on a good quote today actually it was like a a, ha a habit missed once is a mistake a habit missed twice is the start of a new habit there you go well, yeah, that's great. That's James, oh, James Clear says that. He says, miss one day, just don't miss two. Yeah, it was um, – I think he quoted James Clear from Atomic Habits. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah great book. Great yeah. book, especially for what you're doing. Awesome yeah. book, yeah. Um, so – Any sort of advice at all on yeah, any got, topic that I've you want? I've got two things. Like one that's been really important in my life, um, like for myself, is just knowing that you're not a finished product. Yeah, that's um, great. You know, like uh, – Seeing where I am now compared to where I was three years ago, compared to where I was six years ago, compared to where I was nine years ago, um, you know, like you're never a finished product. And even if you're exactly where you want to be right now, you're still never a finished product. Yeah. And even if you're nowhere near where you, where you want to be, you're not a finished product. So you've always got time. And then it kind of leads into the next one, which is like the time is going to pass anyway. So a lot of time people get, uh, you know, they get freaked out by how long it's going to take for them to achieve a goal. But at the end of the day, it's going to pass anyway. So whether it's going to take you 10 weeks working on your goals or 10 weeks sitting on the couch watching Netflix, in 10 weeks' time, it's going to be 10 weeks' time regardless. So the time's going to pass. So why not just start? Take advantage, yeah. Yeah, knowing that, you know, for me, bringing those two together is like knowing that you're not a finished product mm. and going, okay, well, if I don't like where I am or if I do like where I am but I could be better, what is that? Mm. What skills do I need to learn? Okay, and then, all right, well, how long is it going to take me to learn it? Well, it doesn't really matter because the time's going to pass anyway. Yeah. 
And uh, no, those two things have been really important in my life. Well, that's great advice, everyone. Great advice. And before we clip out of this one, I'm going to ask you three quick questions and you've got to answer them really quickly. Now, I haven't been doing this. I haven't been doing this on every podcast, but I'm going to do it today because I feel like it's a bit of fun to finish the way yeah. we do it. So we start with this. Who's your hero? Big smile on his face. Oh, I don't even know why, but Joe Rogan comes to mind. Oh, great. Yeah, I want to say Joe Rogan. He's a great example yeah. of a human being. I like, I like Joe. Um, what is the worst thing that someone's ever said to you? Uh, you're never going to be good enough. So that was that a positive or negative? <laughs> positive. There you yeah, go. Good one. What is the best thing that someone's ever said to you? I love you. There you go. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thanks, Thank Luke. you. Thank thanks, you, mate. I appreciate it. Hey, it's thanks been for great. having me. Awesome. Nah. That was the end of another episode. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you've enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe as this will help me get my message out to more people. If you've heard anything today that has resonated with you, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram, at Nath Cartledge. All the other ways to contact me will be in the show notes. I'd love to chat and hear your thoughts. Can't wait to Conflab next week.